This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest meat on the planet directly to your door. I have strived over the years to cultivate a deeper connection with the food that fuels myself and my family, balancing nutritional value and ethics that align with our values. This process has led me to harmonize with nature as much as possible. Maui Nui Venison brings this process to fruition. Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild-harvested red meat on the market, an operation that is truly one of its kind, actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Maui Nui seeks to restore balance, not eradicate or farm these animals. Managing populations means only a limited number of memberships are available. Get yours while you can. Go to MauiNuiVenison.com slash mindful to get 20% off your first order. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Hey folks, Les Raymond here with The Mindful Movement. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. I have an in-person interview today, which is always exciting. I have not had a chance to do a lot of these. Danush Sudan, someone I've known for a really long time, but I really don't know very well, is here today to chat with me. Danush's mother is my older sister's best bud from childhood, and I grew up maybe just a couple hundred yards from the house that his mother grew up in and that's how I know him. I haven't spent a lot of time with him and then we connected about five years ago by chance because my sister was in town and we caught a meal together and it was very interesting because I hadn't seen him before that since he was like very small and he was uh, I think in his first year of college and he started talking about meditation and I'm not used to hearing young kids talk about meditation so it took me by surprise and now he's really delved in to just the world of energy and consciousness and I looked at it as a great opportunity to learn. I've noticed that my tendency is to seek out generally people with a lot of experience to learn from. Yet I find myself over the years as a parent really seeing my children as my greatest teachers. So I'm excited to kind of not challenge but um, break down some of my patterns and look for more opportunities to learn from young passionate people and uh, Tanush is very bright and definitely passionate about what he's talking about today. So. I thought it was a lot of fun to learn from them and to just chit chat and have a conversation about uh, various things and how they relate to uh, consciousness and energy and lifestyle. And it's been really neat to have him kind of uh, come into my life the way he has. He lives locally 
and he recently has delved into his own YouTube channel that I'm glad to support. So you'll hear about that in the conversation and you could take a, deep, or a deeper dive into his work if you're interested. But he uh, seems like just a really passionate, great kid and I really enjoy talking with him and I hope that you do too. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for joining me today for another episode. I have Tanuj Sudan. Yes, Tanuj Sudan. Did I say Sudan. that right? Tanuj yes. Sudan. And we were just talking about cicadas. We're here in Maryland on the East Coast, and we're just checking our levels of the mics here. And um, there's a very fascinating phenomenon that's going on. And I don't know if it, it's not all over the world, is it? Just, just the East Coast, I think, and just like around our Maryland area for the most part. Yeah, so every 17 years, these cicadas crawl out of the ground mm-hmm. and pretty much live in the trees. And it's hard to articulate how many there are. So if you've never experienced this before, basically our whole environment gets overtaken by bill- billions of these flying bugs that seem to have very little purpose. Like they don't even eat. No. They live for, do you know how long the life cycle is? Or? I think, I'm not sure. That, I think it's just till the summer and then they're done. And the thing is that's weird is that they come every 18 years. 17 so, years. 17 years, 17 yeah. Years. So last time they came, I was five years old. I'm 22 for, for your audience that's watching. And I remembered them being everywhere and just flying everywhere and causing a bunch of chaos. But I think it has something to do with the, the Schumann resonance. You know, the Schumann resonance is the... So that's the frequency that the Earth is putting out. Right. The frequency that the Earth is putting out. And maybe when it's at a certain high or whatever, then they're coming out. But of course, it's on a cyclical pattern. So it's very interesting to see um, how they react to, to the energies. So what do you mean? You think the Schumann resonance has something to do with the 17-year nature of their cycle or... I think that that definitely plays a part, but all animals, they all respond to, to the energies in the environment and especially humans. We're just very unconscious of it for the most part. Um, so they respond to the energies and when the energies change, when they increase, they'll start acting more erratic. Like that's one thing I noticed just taking the, just kind of reading the frequencies every single day, which is what I like to do a lot. Um, I think I should probably introduce myself. If you, if you yeah, know. we're going to. So <laughs> it's, what's funny too is uh, I answer, so this is nice, first of all. Thank you for joining me, Tanuj, in yeah, person. I haven't done a lot of in-person podcasts, so I get excited at the opportunity. And you knock on my door and I answer it and you say, hey, Uncle Les, which is always strange to me. Uh, I do have nes- nephews and nieces, but there's not a lot of people that call me uncle. Uh-huh. And for those watching, I might not look like Tanuj's uncle, but... My older sister was best friends growing up basically with your mother, and that's where that came from. And um, we ran into each other. My sister was visiting me. We established five years ago. Yes, five years ago. So we're having lunch, and you. so you must have been 17 or 18. I was, yeah, somewhere around that age. I think it was 18, yeah. And we're having lunch, and this is around the time where I'm kind of diving in a little deeper into my meditation practice. And you started talking about meditation. And yeah. I don't remember being taken aback by this young, uh, tiny kid at the time <laughs> that was talking about meditation. 
as if he'd been doing it a while, and you were clearly really into it. Yes. And started telling me about your favorite styles, and I was like, whoa, that's kind of far out. Yeah. <laughs> and then recently I learned that, um, you know, you mentioned energies earlier. You seem to be big in the exploration of energy, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that and what that means. And, um, and you got a YouTube channel now called The Matrix Unveiled. Yes, The Matrix Unveiled. So that's... I'd like to know what you're referring to when you talk about that, but... Uh, I guess before that, how did you even get into this stuff? Yeah, so I think I think my my awakening process um, it happened at a young age. So I was always in tune, and I think there are certain individuals, certain people that incarnate in this realm or this earth plane. This may be I don't know how far. How... This will definitely be the most <laughs> woo woo episode that we have. On our podcast yet, which I'm excited for. I'm excited about the opportunity to learn from some young kid that's hip on energy and try to learn what there is to learn. So, so the thing that I have to say about that is people call it woo-woo, but the truth is that this is all scientifically based. And the science has just not been come out. It has just not come out in our society because of the repressions of fear of the way that the religion kind of still influences a lot of uh, Americans, you know, a lot of Americans grew up uh, Christianity. And so there's a lot of kind of repression of what's really happening in the world. And before I get too far into that, let me just talk about myself. So I, I had my first spiritual experiences at a very young age, around four or five years old, where I could feel energy. I could start to see what energy looks like. I could uh, sense other presences around me, other, what people would call ghosts, what people would call aliens, what people would call interdimensional beings. And these beings are very real. What do you mean you would sense them? You would see them visually or you would just get like a, a, a feeling in your body? So you have something called an astral body, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Not really. Okay. It's your energy. So okay. your, your energy body or your astral body is, um, it's like your spirit. And your spirit has a replica. You know, when you go to sleep at night, you're going into uh, your dream state, right? So your dream state is a different state of awareness or of consciousness. And this is controlled by your dream body or your astral body. And so the astral realm is the realms that are, are unseen to our physical senses, but our pineal gland certainly, uh, certainly picks it up, our pituitary gland. Uh, all of the technology that NASA and all these different corporations and governments and all these things, you know, all the seismic activity, how do you think they're reading those things? They're reading those frequencies in the atmosphere that contain uh, these different energies. That we and, can't see, they're not generally perceived through our nervous system. Like. Right. But that is only because our level of consciousness has dropped so far when we stopped accessing our spiritual abilities. Okay. So when you said, so when you were a kid and you felt like you uh, felt things that maybe other people didn't feel, did you speak out and like tell, you know, your family or so your parents about this stuff? So I did, but I also realized that even as I was telling them that they would never understand unless they experienced it themselves. It's kind of like me telling you all about chocolate ice cream. And telling you how great it is, but you've never tasted chocolate ice cream. Gotcha. So no matter how much I tell you about it, it'll never make sense. You won't even believe that chocolate ice cream is real mm-hmm. until you've tasted it yourself. And, you know, the idea of energy is interesting to me. When I, I heard recently that what we perceive through 
like the visible light spectrum because I guess you know visible light is just this sliver of one percent of the electromagnetic free I think it's way less than that that's what yeah. I was gonna allude to I mean I think it was like I think I heard it was like a one millionth or one ten million some crazy tiny sliver of what's out there and when you hear like I, I guess I listen to um you know like the Carl Sagan's of the of the world, like the teachers of the cosmos. And, you know, there's this thing that we, there's all this material that we see, I guess they just label as dark matter. So there's yes, all this, yes. and they don't know really what it is, but there's a lot of it, which just makes you wonder, like, how much is going on that we're not aware of because we just don't perceive it? Like maybe a um, another animal that we're used to perceive something completely different just because they're not limited to the same slice of information. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's actually what you said right there is scientifically proven. They, they have studied different animals. They've studied uh, butterflies and birds and bees, bees especially. Right. Bees see an ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light. So okay. ultraviolet light is like uh, these different colors, like uh, like a plasmic color. In fact, ultraviolet light is one of those things that you can tune into in the astral realms, in the non-physical realms, which you can claim they're non-physical, but really what's happening is they're at a different frequency level. So everything is made up of energy and frequencies and vibrations, and higher frequencies exist at a higher level, a higher octave. It's just science, just like uh, in music, you know, higher frequency note, is up here, lower frequency note is up here. So if you have all of the humans on one frequency bandwidth, they're not gonna see these other layers that may be other intelligences that are around in those spaces. And if you are tuned into that, you're picking up a lot more information than uh, than a lot of other people, <laughs> you <Okay>. know? <laughs> other intelligences. So I'm going to so, have to push back on some of these things. But, yes, absolutely. You should. So... Uh, you should never when you believe. say higher frequencies. So, mm -hmm. do you? So, do you think that when you are trying to like alter your state of consciousness through whatever tool? So, let's say you're using meditation, you're using sound therapy. It could be a, a compound that you're ingesting. Like whatever it is, is that on some level a raising of the of a frequency? Absolutely, yes. Because what's happening? What is a frequency? Frequency is the amount of energy that's oscillating in a certain location. It's literally the amount of uh, prana. Well, I don't want to use a new age word, but uh, uh, the amount of electromagnetic energy for the scientifically minded folk that have only tapped into you know, electromagnetism, which there are forces beyond electromagnetism. But all this energy that's in a certain location. Now, if we speed it up, if we increase the speed of this energy, we increase the atoms, right? They, they told you in, in science class that, that molecules and atoms are bouncing around. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when you take a, uh, a liquid and you heat it on the stove? It starts to evaporate. Why? Because the frequency and the vibration of the atoms have increased. Therefore, they are gaseous. Therefore, they're less physical, right? Does that make sense? So the lower the frequency, the more solid dense. And, and then we observe it more as matter. Exactly. Condensed vibrations. And so when you get to a crazy high level of frequency through, through meditation, through consciousness work. Uh, Why aren't you just disappearing into a gas? Well, thing? that's the thing. Here's the thing. 
because we are existing as humans in this egoic state. There's no way I could possibly be sitting here talking to you in an interview, melding with the floor. But from your perception of reality, you would see me just standing here because you're seeing things at a slower rate. If I was sitting here and I'm at a crazy high rate, I could perceive myself melting with everything. But you wouldn't see it because you're observing it at your level of frequency. Okay, so what if I also was uh, w through meditation or whatever raising to try to resonate with whatever frequency that you felt that you were melting on the floor? Are you saying I would then perceive you as melted on the floor? You would see the same local space, the same dimension that we are in. It's kind of like how we agree right now. The camera's right there and it's a solid object. We are in agreement with it. Right. But if we were to raise our frequency and experience reality in a different way, even if we were to just close our eyes, neither one of us would now see the camera. Right. We may be able to hear the, the shutter of the lens closed. Maybe we can feel, if we have some sort of presence, we can feel maybe the energy of the camera. But there's all these layers of perception that we have. Like even... You know, I'll give you an example that everyone has like, oh, you're driving and maybe you get a weird feeling or you get a uh, you get a text message or you just get this weird intuition. Have you ever had that happen before? Yeah, I think probably most people have. Yeah. Yeah. So or, you know, somebody texts you and right before they text you, you pull out your phone and they text you like that's a, that's a synchronicity. That's a that's a perception where you tuned in for a second into a higher reality and you got the information that was coming to you. And you registered on a physical. See, as I said that, somebody just sent me a message. <laughs> so that's another synchronicity right there. <laughs> so that's that's proof right there for you. Is that proof? Could it's that, not proof. Could it's that, not. How proof. many messages did you get a, a day? Couldn't so, that be a coincidence? So here's the thing. You're if how you, you're 22 years old. 22. Yeah. Don't you get text messages all day? I long? get messages all day long. <laughs> okay. So I don't. But but I'm not using that as proof. What? See, if you come at this from an analytical perspective and you try to hear these words and you try to like analyze things. And I'm not talking about you specifically, but anybody that's listening. And this is the fallacy with the logical argument. It's like you're trying to logically understand chocolate. Right. It never works. It's a right brain thing. It's a right brain thing. It's an intuitive thing. And back to the initial thing that we were talking about was, I think that there are human beings. There are a lot of kids People my generation, I don't know if you could consider me a kid really, but... I definitely consider you a kid. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of... Your mother used to... I know, I know. ...drive me to school. Well, she was driving you to school. You weren't driving her, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, but but I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, your, your son and your daughter are probably those kinds of kids that are awakened to a higher reality. They may not understand it, but... I'm, that's just my my guess because of your guys' proclivity towards meditation and towards uh, yoga and consciousness work that they will ultimately lead down that path as well. Where do you think that tuning in comes from? You mentioned the pineal gland earlier. I, I think I read a couple of books by uh, Joe Dispenza where he refers to the pineal gland almost as a liquid crystal antenna of some sort and that when you activate it whatever that means activate it to whatever like it picks up some of the Singles. other things that are going through that we don't normally uh, see kind of like you know channel 5 is always going through the air but you won't see it until you tune your TV to channel 5 exactly that's exactly how it works so it's a 
It's a radio antenna and the pineal gland is a piezoelectric device. Piezoelectric. What does that mean? Yeah, piezoelectric means that it's a it's a crystalline device, but actually what it really means is that it is a pump kind of gun. So it's like one of those those things that you have to wind up like a TV, remember those old TVs? I wasn't even alive, but I know about them. The old TVs that you had to crank up just to get going. I'm not even that old. I don't okay. remember ever cranking up. I well, remember rolling down the window. There oh. you go. Yeah, that's something that I would, yeah. <laughs> so rolling down the window, right? You have to roll down the window for it to even work. That's the same thing with the pineal gland. The pineal gland is like, it. it has to be pumped with oxygen, with energy, with biomagnetism in order to activate. And since it's a crystalline technology, what is a crystal? A crystal, well, our cell phones and our computers don't even work without silicon. So silicon is a storage of information. And it's like a radio transmission as well as a, uh, a, a sender and a receiver. So it's like an antenna and a storage. So in fact, if they started studying the pineal gland, they would have the best technology ever. Because <laughs> so it's hard to study because it's in the middle of your head, basically. It's in the middle of your head, and the second you crack the head open, the thing is not working anymore because the person's probably not going to survive. But if you do study the pineal gland and they're still alive, you know it only works when it's activated. It's a piezoelectric device. So the pineal gland has to be activated. It has to be turned on through an illumination of consciousness, through, through breath work, through yoga, through meditation. through uh, Some psychedelics can definitely help you. Um, but I like to like for beginners to just teach them how to move energy, just how to feel energy, how to work with energy in a conscious way. Once you do that, you have your, your Christos consciousness activated. So do you have a go-to method that you use to, that you lean on to like tap into that or to stimulate or as you say, activate the pineal gland? Yeah, absolutely. Like just, just focusing on your intention inside this magnetic center within your, your body because your energy moves through your intention. Just through focusing, can you feel it right now? Mm. No, it's been a long day. I'd have to probably spend some time So yeah, getting just in, getting in the zone first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, understood. So just for people, um, like just to feel into your energy and to feel into the magnetic sense that's inside, think about it. Where is my brain illuminating from? Like where is the center of my consciousness? If you ask yourself that question, you will find it somewhere deep inside here. Like you, you'll be like, okay, I'm internally inside, but I'm like right in the middle internally inside my head. You know? When you say, I'm going to stop you and push back a little bit along Fair the way enough. here. Yeah, yeah, of course. You, you're loose with some words that, and there's some words that I've pondered a lot and get and go in circles with, and I don't know. Um, and a lot of this is going to be, is restricted by language. I think, you know, we only have so many words to yeah. explain this stuff. But when you say consciousness, how would you define the, the thing that you're referring to? So consciousness is awareness. It's, it's right here, right now, being present. And this is a loose definition of consciousness. Consciousness goes, there's a, uh, a very long definition of consciousness, which when you get to the supreme, right? But just through you and me, conscious right here, you're here. Unconsciousness would be you asleep, uh, you know, in a nap or going deep into deep sleep. You're not conscious when you're in that deep sleep. Or very little consciousness so just present. just the act of being awake or the act of being aware? Aware. Aware. Not just, not just necessarily awake because you can be awake and then go into a, um, a mental projection or like, a, uh, you know, like an imagery in your mind. You're daydreaming. That was the word I was looking for. Daydreaming. Where you're not really conscious 
of the physical reality too much. Now you went into your own mind and you created a daydream. You know, when you fall asleep or you're just like, you're zoning out so hard or even in a meditation, now you're deeply conscious of something else. You're not conscious no more of the room. You're conscious of the inner workings of your mind and the blackness that you find just in, you know, that internal space. Does that make sense with the consciousness thing? Um, a little, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, these things are kind of mind-bending to think about. But I could tell you the experience. So I mentioned uh, Dispenza. Are you familiar? Yes, Joe so, Dispenza, yes. So I read a couple of his books. And, you know, one of the books has kind of a, I guess, a how-to to stimulate this pineal gland. And it was essentially, like you refer to, it needs to be pumped. It was... Um, essentially trying to pump like the cerebral spinal fluid yes which normally circulates like once or twice every 24-hour cycle to like accelerate that process so mm-hmm. it was a combination of of um breathing practices with some held tension yes to try to you know pump fluid up and I practiced a little bit and it felt good. Just like, I mean, when I do breath work, which is pretty much every day, it always feels good. Like I always am glad after I did it than before. So one night I was getting into it and I might, I might've had some compounds in my system, if I recall, which I do find can sometimes distract you from productive meditation or breath work. But then sometimes if, like things are going sinks well, up, baby. it sinks up and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like this was one of those nights. And, um, so, I'll, and I'm doing, and I'm actually, I take a bath usually at night to like wind down mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm in the bath, like doing this breath stuff. And then all of a sudden, like my field of vision changes dramatically. Mm-hmm. Everything goes black. And I see this, I'm going to sound loopy on this, but I saw a ring. No matter where I looked, uh, it was like this amber fluorescent-y um, luminescent thing that was like just a ring of this material mm-hmm. and black everywhere else. And I kind of freaked out. I got up. I, I remember just saying like, oh my God, oh my God, yeah. like, and I couldn't turn it off. Of course not. And no, this is the weird thing. Like I get out of the tub and I'm walking, I'm, you know. It's following you. Follow, like no matter, I'm feeling the counter. Like I know the counter's there. And like no matter what direction I look, all I see is that. And eventually like it feels, it doesn't feel scary or bad, but it's so strange. And I like, I wound up laying down on the floor so I don't hurt myself. And Sarah comes in. It's like, you know, what's the matter with you? Like, you're not going to believe this. And, um, and I, I don't know, I think I said like, oh my God, oh my God, like a hundred times. And yeah. she's at this point like laughing at me. And I'm like, I think I might be tripping. I think I did something. You're tripping. Like, <laughs> like I, I, uh, I went too far. Or Go further. Happened. Yeah. So, but it didn't feel bad. It wasn't scary it was definitely intense i could see how it could definitely have been perceived scary yeah but i knew that i was tinkering with things in my chemistry so like what do you think happened in a situation and i know i'm not crazy like i might do weird shit but i know i'm not a crazy person i know that that happened 
Right. And um, and I've done psychedelics before, so like I know that we could experience things that are very different than they seem to be in like day to day life. So I I know there's other things there mm-hmm. somehow that we could access. What do you think that is? Do you think that is the pineal gland being tripped and then creating that image through chemistry? Absolutely. I think that what you experienced was a, a mystical state of consciousness. A mystical state. A mystical state. So there are so many types of mystical states of consciousness. And it's kind of like how many different fish are there? <laughs> how many different trees are there? You know, there's, there's literally infinite. Um, so you can, you can have these different experiences and these different experiences show you, oh, reality is not at all what I thought it was. Because if I can meditate and experience something that is profound where I'm seeing things differently, how could reality be what it was before when it's just being altered so quickly through just a few experiences, through a few breathing experiences? And then... And you think that is because the frequency that your body is existing in is changes increase. Your energy field. Energy field. So... There's this experiment called the double slit experiment. Have you heard of that? That's like the wave and particle thing. And now they've had to add a third. So let's let's double click that for a little bit. How would you explain that double slit? That's like basic physics. Basic stuff. physics and so basic quantum physics. So, you know, now it's a, a, a third thing. Now they've discovered light can be three things. A photon, a waveform, and I, I can't remember what the uh, the other thing is, but it's like a in between state of being a photon in a, a wave waveform. Okay. So it's very interesting. But what's happening is, see, we don't actually see from our eyes. Our brain sees. Our eyes are inputting light, and then our brains are processing it. But if you change the neurochemistry within your brain, you experience the reality differently. You increase your serotonin. You start feeling more wakeful. You increase your, your melatonin, you start feeling more sleepy. You increase your dopamine, you start feeling really good. You increase your dimethyltryptamine, you start seeing into different realities. You start seeing into the parallel realities. So dimethyltryptamine, also known as DMT, that's the chemical that is in some uh, psychedelics, some of the more powerful psychedelics in the world, but also is thought to be created in the body and you think that's what's created when the pineal gland is stimulated? Yes, yes, it's endogenously created, meaning internally. And it's not just in the pineal gland, it's also in the eyes, it's also in the liver, it's also in the diaphragm. And that's why the breathing techniques, that's why breath work gets you into a different state of consciousness. It's in the diaphragm, the muscle, or it's in the lungs? It's in the diaphragm, the muscle. It's in the so muscle it, of the diaphragm. The diaphragm is just the muscle that goes up and down. Yeah, but, but the scientists have not discovered that it's actually produced all in the human body. It's all in the human body. The problem is that the stomach acids uh, neutralize DMT. So that's why you don't just get high when you eat grass, because grass contains DMT. Right, the stomach acids neutralize all of this DMT, but however, when it's in the bloodstream, it acts different. So, from what I understood, DMT is a step beyond. So we have this tryptophan pathway. So you have tryptophan, which is uh, amino acid, which eventually works its way to serotonin, which eventually works its way to melatonin, and then I thought from melatonin it can go. Well, amino acids, amino acids are different. Amino acids are protein synthesis. Well, amino acids are 
the building blocks of proteins. Right, but these are neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters work differently. But right, so they're well, but they start like that pathway begins at yes. tryptophan. Yeah, yeah, so, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and then you can, and then it goes to like five HTP, I think, and then tryptophan, and there's several steps between tryptophan, between serotonin and melatonin. But then there's, I think, one or two steps from melatonin. So there you go. Melatonin you is creating DMT. DMT. N-N-dimethyltryptamine. That's the official name. And there's just, I think it's just one carboxyl molecule, one carboxyl unit. Carboxyl is like a, uh, it's like a structure of carbon and how it works. There's, There's one or two molecules that are removed from the melatonin and that converts into DMT. It's like a very clean conversion. It's like you just drop the O off of one oxygen molecule and then it turns into nn dimethyltryptamine and that happens is that th- what you learn in school do you no learn? no i didn't learn oh. this in school <laughs> okay. are your parents t- watching this like that's what he's studying in college they don't teach anything okay. useful in, in college or school <laughs> <laughs> let's be real okay. this is this is through self-study and then pioneering a field that mankind has forgotten about basically okay. <laughs> um but so this converts into dimethyltryptamine through our nighttime. This is why we experience dreams. Dreams are hallucinations, so, so they say, but they're not really hallucinations. They're experiences of uh, other planes of existence, just like you experienced with your uh, experience where you had the blinding, white, uh, the blinding light, right? The violet light. And for a second, you were able to produce enough. You might have also been high off of oxygen, like just from the breathing. And you were able to basically interfere with the default mode network, which is the, uh, the, the, the thing that runs your ego, the thing that runs your, your sense of separation, separation or sense of identification enough. You basically trans like mess with the signal enough just to give your, yourself a sense of perception of something else. And a lot of people, when they experience it, that they freak out, like first, probably, probably first 15 times that this, something like this happened to me, I freaked out. I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, because you don't know what's going on. Your reality is one thing for so many years, and then you have this mind-blowing change, and you're like, I don't even know how to express myself because I know that you're not really there in the way that I thought you were there at one point. Yeah, I think if I didn't have a history of uh, like some psychedelic experiences where I know that they they end. Yes. And like you're not gonna die. No. <laughs> I think if I didn't have those, then that night a few months ago when this happened, I would have been terrified. Exactly. I would have been terrified that like I was never gonna be able to see again, or like this is it for the rest of it. Like I've gone too far. There's no going back. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'm grateful for those past experiences, so I could be like. I had a little more curiosity, even though I was like blown away. I yes. was like, what is this? Yeah. I was aware enough to say like, what is it? I'm not dead. What is it? What am I experiencing now? That's the whole point. And it lasted like uh, a few minutes. And then I'm, I'm so silly. Like for several nights after that, I was chasing it. Yes. Yes. yes I was yes. like, I, I want to get back there. I yeah. want to go further. See and I really troubled, you know, tried. And the night it happened, there was no trying. I was no. just like doing my thing. It's, uh, which is interesting. Like you, you know, it's one of those, like you, you know, you put your hand in water and you try to grab it. It's gone. Like you have to allow it. You have to be slippery like the water. You cannot 
be the hand to try to grab the water. You must become the water and then explore the depths of the ocean. Yeah, well said. You see? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is the way that I, like, I can get into the mystical state pretty easily within a meditation. That's not to brag or anything, but that's just because I figured out what to do is you let go of the ego. You let go of the attachments. As soon as I started dialing that in my, my mind, I started going into other spaces that would be considered psychedelic. But once you know how to go back and forth, all you're doing is you're getting information from like the main central unit of the universe and then coming back into your physical body. Like that was fun. You know, got to go eat dinner. Got to go take out the trash. Got to go do this back to the mystical state. And then you learn how to navigate these states. And then what do you think is the benefit of doing that? Of like, how do you feel that that practice of dipping your toe in, I guess what you're considering higher frequencies of consciousness, um, how does that translate to your life when you're taking the trash out or doing some other thing or? So I think that, well, number one, it, it shows you that life is an illusion. So what we're seeing is not really what, what's happening. It, it shows you that death is not real. It shows you that uh, there's nothing really to fear. It shows you that there is something called a God or a universal consciousness. It shows you that uh, you have a higher purpose. You're not, you're, your purpose is not to just live and work and to be a slave for the matrix, for uh, society. It shows you that you have a sense of individuality and creativity. It shows you that each moment is a precious expression. It shows you what you're actually inside of, what your life actually means, what it actually is. And it makes you a lot happier, makes you a lot more content. So I couldn't even imagine my life without any of these things because if I lived a normal life without these experiences, I don't know, I would not be the same person, but I also wouldn't have any life. There would be no life. This is life itself, this energy. You see, so you can't exist without this energy. You just become uh, a normal person that takes everything for granted. They take the very chair that they sit on for granted because they believe it's a chair instead of understanding it's a cosmic expression of consciousness. But and you're no sep and you're no more separate from the chair than you are a loved one or whatever. Yes. Now you don't have to take it. I mean, you you will take it to that far once you reach that level. But also, you can also be like, wow, I'm so appreciative that I'm not in that state right now, and I can just sit here and experience me as a chair being separate. Mm -hmm. So you also respect duality. You, you have an immense appreciation for the oneness of things, but you're also like, wow, duality is awesome. Because without, without duality, I couldn't go and get my favorite food from Great Sage. I wouldn't even understand the difference between the, the, the food and, and me. So you, you appreciate all of the materialistic pleasures even more. And the spiritual pleasures. So it's a win. <laughs> Shout out to Great Sage. That's where we had our yeah. last meeting five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> my, my sister's favorite restaurant in the town I live. Um, so it's interesting. You, you uh, alluded to the word God earlier. And that word very could be like very polarizing. Yes. yes. And um, I've spent my time thinking about what that word points to, if, if you will. And... I've never been like, oh, I guess a religious person or like as the traditional religious like practices, but I've always been uh, 
curious of you know what makes all the things the way they are and like who's pushing go here to make all this happen and like when i um and every time i do that i seem to go down a rabbit hole of like quantum physics on mm -hmm. some level like as you start looking at things smaller and you see like at first you think oh we're made up of all these organs and tissues but then it's like oh no they're cells they're smaller and then you have all these parts the mitochondria and the lights of all these parts of the cells and you keep going you get these molecules and they're made up of atoms and then if you look at the atom close or i've never looked at one close i've looked at drawings and i've heard people speak on it it seems like the individual atom is this big thing of empty space that has these little parts in it and you know some are protons called some are neutrons some are electrons and it's mostly nothing though and then when you bl blow those things up the parts they're, they're also too. mostly nothing with little parts and and then you realize that like the carbon atom in my body is right now changing with carbon in this wood carbon mm -hmm. in you yes so i guess my question always comes to, down to like how does this carbon know to be me and, <laughs> and then when it's over there it knows to be you and when i think of what the word god like points to i think of it's whatever information that is that is in there so that this so it so when it's over here it's part of me and what's over there it's part of you mm -hmm. and, um and that to me like and then i get like this dead end like there's <laughs> oh, I, we know that everything is energy because we know that everything's logical mind <laughs> vibrating or free there's a freak oscillating as you put it. we know energy oscillates and there's waves and then when you observe them they become particles or solids i guess but there's some intelligence in there for it to show up as different things right and i guess when i think of when i've like sat back and dived into my own mind thinking about what god is i feel like if i had to point to it it would be that it would be the information or just the fact that it is um, do you have like an idea of what you think of or ref when you refer to that refer to the word God? Yeah, yeah. So I think that your explanation is pretty, pretty good. And God is not something that can be like, I, I don't think anybody can, can genuinely tell you what God is. Like if, if I told people what I think it is, that, that's like me telling what ice cream is again. So it right. doesn't, it doesn't really help. But it can give you a, a general idea. Now, I've experienced what I would consider to be God consciousness or when you become one with the creator or you understand that you are the creator. And so it no longer becomes, oh, what is this thing that's labeling the carbon atom as my leg? Where you realize you are the one that is creating that illusion. The very essence of who you are, your very nature as a being you're not just a being, you are being in of itself. Not just, not a being, but being. So the very essence, the very soup, all of this mixture of everything, all this intelligence, this, it's pure intelligence. It's what I've been shown it to be. Pure, pure cosmic intelligence. Intelligence that you cannot 
you know, write a scientific literature paper on. Sure, you can, but that's only one element of this pure intelligence. So by dissecting things, which is what the scientists do, they will take the atoms and split them apart and break them apart. Can you study an apple or an animal by chopping them up into pieces? To some degree. <laughs> but, but not really, because if you, okay, let's say you, you take a deer and you chop up the deer into different pieces. Now you've studied the deer, right? But no, wouldn't no. it be more intelligent to study the deer when it's roaming around freely? Right. You can't really learn anything about the pieces. Okay. So, but the very problem with this thing is that if we know everything is light, we know that light changes its behavior based off of observation in of itself. Just look at your, your kid. You know, if you ignore him, he starts getting angry. If you look at him, he gets happy. That's light changing its behavior on a very fundamental level. So you're referring to that uh, slit experience. That's kind of what that refers to. Like, energy behaves like a wave, like light. Until it is you look light. At it. it is light. It is light. And then you it doesn't become... It matter until it's observed exactly exactly so does the tree that falls in the forest no one's there make noise or right exactly that's the question and my answer to that would be no it makes no noise because if no one is observing it there is no tree it's in limbo it but doesn't then, exist so yeah so this it's part, materialistic mindset okay. that's the problem i so know what your question is a little is. challenging for me right so like i go out I see a tree, it's there. I come back here, the tree's still there. Oh, is it? Well, is that what quantum entanglement is? The once I've seen that once and then I have a memory. A memory. You only have, I a, have memory. a relationship between the parts in my body and the parts that I saw so that they will always be entangled and I always will have a reference yes. of that existence. Yes, one part of source or God consciousness recognizes another part of God consciousness. It's like a loading screen. You've loaded into the game and now you've saved your location. If you've ever played video games, I'm sure you have. I don't really play video games. You don't play video games? Okay, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm 43 years old. <laughs> well, um, okay, so if you load something up on a computer, you know, a project, it's saved its, its files, okay. it's saved the, the project, you know, for the editing people out there. Uh, all of us <laughs> that make YouTube videos. Um, so you'll, you'll save the components, just like you save a relationship, just like you save a connection with a tree or in your memory. But the tree is not there unless you observe it. And there's nobody to observe it unless you are aware that someone's observing it. Everything else is happening inside your mind. It's a very hard thing to, to, to understand and hear these words and to get it because the, material, the materialistic paradigm has enslaved so many people's consciousness. Okay. Materialistic meaning uh, like this is physical matter. Whereas we understand things are quantum. Like even science itself has proven that materialism is wrong and that quantum reality is in fact the true science that is uh, true. And when you look at the quantum, you understand the quantum world and the quantum universe and the quantum reality is things are changing in its behavior constantly. They're constantly transmitting new frequencies. And they're actually one giant intelligence. That's what the quantum reality is really talking about, one giant intelligence. Where do you learn these things? Who have been your in 
the people that inspire you to so so there's a, a lot of different teachers that I've uh, I've definitely learned um, I can talk about a few so number one um, there's a you know there's a guy of course Alan Watts I'm sure a lot of people are familiar oh, with Alan Watts I've binged on him a few times yeah, yeah he's got great stuff Alan yes. Watts uh, there's another guy right now that I really enjoy listening to his name is actualize.org Leo Gura he's a very uh, spiritually enlightened being um, another person, Sadhguru, is, is very well known. I'm sure you've heard of him. I have, yeah. Osho is a, another very interesting figure that I've been kind of researching into lately. Um, there's other teachers as well, but a lot of the, the real understanding has come from my own mystical experiences. It has not come from a book. Like, Is this a daily practice for you to devote time yes. to... It's my life now. It's my is career. I made a career out of it. <laughs> so what does that look like? Uh, paint a picture for us. What does that look like, your current practice? So my current practice, I don't know if I uh, talked about this with you last time, but I practice something called aerokinesis or psychokinesis, which is a, it's a glorified form of energy movement. Basically, it's the ability to move objects with your mind. As, as crazy as that sounds. All right, wait, hold on. I'm going to push back here. Um, move objects, meaning like you could move your water bottle with your mind? Not like that, in okay. the sense that I work with the energies of nature. And I, like, yes, it's possible. It's physically possible to move this. Now, can I do it at this moment? No. But is it possible? Yes. I work with the, uh, the energies of nature. So I work with the air. And I can feel the air as an extension of myself because it's all consciousness, right? So if you expand your consciousness enough, you become the air. Now, air is an extremely light element. It's, it's very much physical, but it's also free enough to the sense where you can uh, feel it move past you. So as I connect with the trees and with the air, I become one with the trees and one with the air. And this is through meditation and through simply just expanding my consciousness, which I, it's kind of like moving an arm. I don't know how to explain <laughs> moving an arm, but... Um, you have to map your, your energy signature with your brain. It's like a new level that you're understanding of your nervous system, basically. I think many people could relate to the idea of when you're in nature, if you're paying attention, which I, would, I guess I would consider, um, that's like a, another way of looking at being mindful. Like mindful. You're, you're paying attention. And that a connection with said nature seems to cult be cultivated without effort and yes. work and there you're tapping into i don't know if you're tapping into some kind of primal root that we had that we just spent more time in nature before we had like houses and such or there's something else going on there where you really are connected and you're just getting a glimpse into it you're being reminded on some level that you are, but there are times where like, I spent a lot of time. I, um, I got you know a trail in the woods behind the house, and that's one of my many sanctuaries. And you know, if I walk that trail for a half hour, at some point, like it does seem to kind of like I kind of blend in with the environment, and it's almost like all the bugs accept me, and the yes. leaves are like. We see you. There you go. Like the tree in this, you know, like 
It's I, remember, <laughs> I mean, it's like I feel seen and yeah. part of it by yeah. that. And I, and I could see so much. Like you could kind of open your focus and you're just staring and it's as if you could see 10,000 individual leaves rustle in the, in the wind simultaneously, where, which on another day, if I'm not like in that zone, I could be in the same spot, the wind could be the same miles per hour, and you don't see right. that. The leaves are going, but you don't see them. There's something interesting. I remember there was a time where, there was one of the tough times in my life where I had a lot of like emotional suffering going on for things in my life situation, some of it was health related and some of it was like family related. And um, I got in this habit to go practice uh, like a form of meditation, usually like a Qigong style practice by this one tree that mm-hmm. my family knows I named tree. And um, like they know to sprinkle my ashes around that tree one day. But, um, but like going out to this tree on a regular basis, it didn't take long become before like there was a legitimate relationship yes. being developed mm-hmm. and it there were days where it really didn't feel one way like i'm the intelligent human and i'm here and i see you no. like i felt like on some level that it's, tree was a companion and it was there and it was doing its role in kind of helping me through whatever growth i had and i would go up to it, I'd put my hand on it, I would acknowledge it, and I would express some form of like gratitude, and then I would turn around, so it was to my back, and I used it as like support for my spine in a way, it's like this tall, Mm. strong, vertical energy that I was uh, like borrowing, like I felt like I'm gonna borrow this energy from you while I do my practice here, and I want you to know that I'm not taking you for granted. Right. Like I want this tree to know that I really appreciate it being willing to offer this thing to me. Yeah. So you intuitively felt that you were receiving something. And that's probably the craziest thing I've said on this podcast. <laughs> well, it's it's true. The the trees are very very intelligent creatures. They 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 sense, you know. Um, I don't want I was going to say something but I was like that's ah, too woo woo. <laughs> Did you read, have you ever read the book uh, The Secret Life of Trees? No, I have not. Oh, it's, ooh, it's interesting. But I do know about their secret lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're way more intelligent than yes. we give them credit they're for. They're more intelligent than us. Oh, they've been I here would, longer. Yes, I would. Yeah, that's See, when someone says, no, they're not, they're, they're so dumb, they can't move. I'm like, well, you have to understand that they're older than you, and they're taller than you, and they're bigger than you, and they probably look healthier than you as well. You know, <laughs> if, if you think plants are so intelligent, why do you eat, why do you so eat them so much? Because you they taste delicious and I have to eat something as a human. True, you, know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to eat something. I mean, you can survive off sunlight. That's another conversation. But as a 22 year old, you know, human, I would have to do some human stuff. I can't just live in the cosmos. You have to do some human stuff, right. You know, um, I don't know how we led down to that, but into the tree story. You were talking about being a part of nature with your practice, like this daily practice of um, aerokinesis. aerokinesis. But, but basically, the daily practice is me going into nature and communing with nature, connecting with nature, feeling the energy, uh, 
being at one with nature and then also the elements start to move with me. So the air starts to move with me, the water starts to move with me, the earth, I can feel the earth as me. Do you feel like you are affecting it or you're just connecting and tuning into it? It's both. So it's, it's not just that I'm connected into it, but it's also that I am a conscious creator that knows its own uh, ability to create and manifest the reality. So I can start to tap into these energies and create the energy that I want, the way that I want. Just like you guys did with your, your podcast and your YouTube channel. You created a mindful connection, a mindful movement, right? So it's the same thing, but just in, uh, in the nature space. So next time you go to your trail, see if you can push the energies one way. Get some of the, we- the leaves to, to move in the way that you want. And maybe I can show you some of that after, uh, after the podcast. Okay. Um, you referred to the matrix earlier and your channel is called the matrix unveiled. What are you referring to? Is this like the same matrix from like the movie, the matrix? Not really, not really. The matrix I would say is the mind, the way I would describe matrix, because that's another uh, good question that people have asked me before too. Um, and people are like, oh, so you just believe in the movie? I'm like, no, that's not at all what my channel is. <laughs> I worship the movie. Yeah, that's not at all what my channel is about. The Matrix represents this, this collective unconscious mind that has gotten itself into a lot of unconscious behavior. Very, very, uh, you know, behavior that has not any truth in it. So the way that society has raised itself, the way that the politicians act, the way that the people act, the way that the mm. people interact, the, the level of consciousness that people uh, exist in, what we do, the way that we believe society is, the very fact that we don't understand that everything is God consciousness and we are an extension of that creator. In fact, we are the creator itself. When you tap into anything less than that understanding, you're in the matrix. You're a victim. When you play the victim game, you're like, oh, my life sucks. This happened to me. That happened to me. Which everyone has hardships, of course, but when you have reality and you're like enslaved to your reality, you're enslaved to your nine to five job, you're enslaved to your unhappiness, you're enslaved to your kids, you're enslaved to your divorce, your marriage, or whatever. Those things are the matrix. That's the matrix of your own unconsciousness, and so unveiling that is an unveiling of consciousness, realizing you're the sovereign creator here. So your life goes from complete chaos to shambles you have to go down before you can go up it has to completely break apart you need some suffering you need some suffering to trigger you into this realization of awareness and the suffering you know just because you have one realization doesn't mean that you're now in nirvana you're now enlightened like i'm by no means enlightened i have my own problems but compared to a normal person there's a huge difference in the consciousness level through development and then through these you know, extensions of mystical experience after mystical experience after mystical experience after for, for years and years and years, you develop, I guess you could say, the enlightened consciousness. You start to become an embodiment of the truth. So that's what it means to be, that's what it means to unveil the matrix, I guess you could say. Do you think when people refer to, like, uh, the saints of the past or, you know, people that within religions they held up as teachers, that that's, kind of what they were able to tap into and that they were trying to teach? Yes, I think that they're teaching uh, the exact same thing. And they understood it in their times. And a lot of these uh, saints and teachers have gotten to very, very high levels. You know, 
like Saint Germain or some of the saints they could levitate. They could fly. They could do they crazy could? things. Yes, there was a there was a few saints that were able to levitate. How do you know this? Well, I don't know it personally. I don't. Okay. That's not true. Yeah. But through the history archives, you know? Now, I've seen my own crazy things and I've done my own things that definitely defy science, defy our rational understanding of science, but again, the material paradigm is wrong. So, just from my understanding like okay, I could see how that could be possible in a certain amount of time after a certain amount of practice, after a certain amount of sadhana, which is what the Indians call daily spiritual practice. Right? Even Jesus, Muhammad, all these people, they had certain characteristics that sh- uh, showed their divinity or showed their ability to tap into something more because they understood it. They were able to channel it in a physical way. Okay. All right. So <laughs> taking the back step. So when you refer to the matrix, it's like kind of being stuck where you haven't started to self, not self-reflect, but like self, to observe to observe yourself on some level so that you're just kind of going through the motions of life and you're not paying attention. It's really like you're not being mindful. You're not, you're not paying attention. So you're just in it, stuck in it. And, and you're trying to encourage people to, uh, lift the veil and like to see beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes, it goes deeper than just like, uh, the basic self help development or the basic personal development where, I think a lot of people get stuck. They're like, okay, I made more money and I got a better relationship. But do you understand who you are at at a core level? Do you understand what you are until you have that answer, until you have that knowing? It's It's not a logical thing. Until you understand and experience the totality of consciousness or at least get glimpses so you're on the right path. To have a reference point. Yes. So you're like, okay, I, I see that this is not what I thought it was. This is a simulation for all words entailed, but that's not a good representation of uh, the word. So we have to be careful. Like the, the matrix lingo kind of came with the digital age. And I saw that as, oh, this is a really good way of explaining the reality to people. And it could be used um, and, and the word matrix, it, there's more depth to it as well when you get into the multidimensional aspects of reality. But do, so on some level, you're saying it's, it's the inability or the you haven't seen you haven't yourself seen. in relation to everything as like one whole thing. So there's like still some ego there, which I guess will drive suffering and like cruelty. It'll drive the kind of shitty behavior that humans do towards either one another or the environment or whatever. Like like bad things in the world take place. People do bad things because they don't see that they they are that. Like if you hurt someone, mm-hmm. you don't you think that they're separate, you don't realize that you're hurting yourself and hurting them because you're stuck in this matrix. And so you hurt them. That that is on a yeah, that's on one level, and that makes sense. But yeah, I, I would say you got it. You got it pretty much. But the the truth is like understanding, experiencing it twenty four seven. So is that possible? You think is that like what the Buddha did? On on some levels, yes, it is possible. It, it's definitely. Why possible. would you want that? Then you're. How would you ever engage? 
Oh, reality becomes yeah. a lot more fun. It's uh, kind of like when you're lucid dreaming. When you're lucid dreaming, have you ever lucid dreamed? I haven't. We've had some oh, okay. lucid dreamer folks <laughs> reach out to the channel. They want to come on and I haven't dipped my toe in yet. So when you lucid dream, um, which is like a preliminary, it's like first you must become aware in the dream state before you come aware here. And as you lucid dream and as you start to realize I'm the creator of my reality, like everything I'm dreaming up, this, this whole kitchen isn't even real. I dreamt up the kitchen. This whole house isn't even real. I dreamt up the, the house. Once you have that level of consciousness in this reality, then you realize it's all a giant dream. And I'm a character in the dream, but I'm also the entire dream itself. And the I is not this physical ego I. It is the cosmic intelligence that runs through everything. And my job is to become self-aware that I am the cosmic intelligence and that I am the creator of my reality. Therefore, the other aspects of my cosmic intelligence, the other nodes that are sleeping in the dream must become self-aware as well. The only way to true love and happiness and peace in the world is for every single human to awaken. I didn't understand any of that lucid dreaming stuff. Okay, uh, so, <laughs> so, so the lucid dreaming is, is becoming aware that you're dreaming. So you know when you're in a dream, you're like going through the motions. Okay. That's you're, the you're same the thing dream. in this reality. People are just going through the motions okay. day, another day, tomorrow's Friday, tomorrow's Saturday. Well, another day, no, no motivation, no in ingenuity, no creativity. I'm speaking broadly here. I'm not trying to, you know, generalize or anything. Gotcha. I'm just saying what I, what I see. Uh, you know, the, you could just use like an example, the dude that's like doing the job that he hates. Like he's not really thinking about what he's doing or where he's at. He's just thinking like when he's going to get home, he's going to watch some TV. How do you know if he's thinking that? Well, I'm just assuming. I'm just looking at past behaviors. I'm, I'm looking at, at how humans interact. And also, empathic sensitivity, being able to pick up on people's thoughts and their emotions and their feelings just from feeling people's energy. That's another skill you develop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have noticed that some people clearly pick up other people's energies. Absolutely. Through, and I know that I'm guilty a lot in my past of uh, being wrong about what oh, other really? people are thinking. Yeah, like assuming that this person did this action for this reason. When really, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the ego. That's the ego because you're, you're having a projection bias. Or you're saying, okay, well, I think I know all of this. But the intuitiveness doesn't come from ego. It comes from, like, how do I know how to move my right arm? Or how do I know how to take a step forward? Or how do I know how to ride a bike? It's just an intuitive nature that you get. And once you get really good at it, the information's almost never wrong. It's very, very... So you're saying that in itself is a skill, that, or like a tool that you could sharpen. Yes, these are all the tools. So when you sit outside in your trail over there, and you intuitively sense that the leaves are waving back at you, that's not you making it up. That's you sensing that these things are a conscious of you. You see, that's yeah. your, that's your tool that you're just sharpened a little bit. You just became more aware. Hey, the birds almost seem to be chirping in this melody, like they're communicating or they're in some sort of pattern and discourse. And then you realize, of course, the animals are communicating back and forth to each other in these, uh, these conversations that we may not be able to understand. But if you listen mindfully enough, you kind of understand, you know, how do you understand your dog or your cat by studying them by intuitively feeling their energy and observing their 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 facial expressions you get information off of them plus i speak dog 
And here's the funny part. The dogs speak better human than the humans will ever speak dog because we're so disconnected for the most part. Wait, say that again. So I'm saying your dog is more aware. And again, I'm not, I'm just generalizing, but my but, dog, one of my dogs is pretty dumb. There's, oh, well, that's what you think. That's what, and that's it, my dumbness. And, and I'm then projecting it, my dumbness on my And dog. then it looks at you and it's like, this thing is so dumb. I've been, <laughs> my stomach's been growling for 45 minutes and it hasn't fed me yet. And she's probably thinking, this thing's so dumb, he, he's willing to pick up my shit. <laughs> exactly. And I do nothing <laughs> but run around and make a mess of the floor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, who's really running things here? Yes, exactly. Who's the real pet? <laughs> Is the question. That's funny. So do you think like with, um, I mean, I know your sample size is half of mine being oh, it's, your age. So, yeah. but you're, you, you're clearly, you know, you got a head on your shoulders with what you see going on in the world now. Do you think we're at, and they, people probably been saying this from the beginning of time. So we will, it, this might just be the ego thinking like this time it's different and it's mm. more important now. But do you think that we're at some kind of turning point as a species almost in regards to um, like paying attention or some type of awakening of some sort? So the truth is it doesn't really matter what I think, but <laughs> it does matter what's happening, <laughs> you know? Okay. And um, I would say that 100% it is happening. It's not like uh, we're making it up and we're all just, you know, uh, making it up. No, th this area this age the age of aquarius is the age of information that's what we're in we were in the age of pisces for a while now we're in the age of aquarius well, how long are these ages what do you mean two thousand years where did that come from this is that? uh i'm pretty sure that it was from the mayan calendar and these different uh astrological events which basically observe the celestial bodies which is stars and the sun and the planets and how they interact and you have to think that these things are all projecting energy they're all projectors of their own energy so they're shifting the tides we're in a cosmic sea they're shifting the tides of how things are playing out like a grand symphony like an orchestra and uh what's happening is that we shifted from age of pisces which was the age of religion and doctrine and beliefs and i like all that kind of stuff to the age of aquarius this is a very well known astro astrological thing by the way um, and the age of Aquarius is all about the age of enlightenment, the age of information. So humanity literally shifted in the cosmic calendar, this is the cosmic clock, into an age of enlightenment. And that's why we see so much more mindfulness and spirituality starting to be spread everywhere. Now, that also causes a lot of destruction and devastation, a lot of fear, because people just probably if, if you're still listening to this conversation you know <laughs> think anyone's still listening? <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> you know if you're still listening to this conversation you're an incredibly open-minded individual because yeah. hearing the things that i say i i understand it could sound crazy but living the way that i've lived it, it would be crazy of me not to say anything gotcha. it'd be even more crazy if i just kept my mouth shut and just like pretended we can't pretend anymore so the, the universe is becoming conscious that it is, in fact, the universe. That's what's happening. Hmm. God's becoming self-aware that it's God. Interesting. We mentioned the word psychedelics a few times here. So in the beginning of the pandemic, I was um, 
I needed to do things with my time. My gym had been shut down and it was super stressful and I felt the need to compartmentalize that part of my life and hide it because mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything about what was going on. I lost my income and it was super stressful and I was like handcuffed with it. And um, it was very emotionally challenging. So like I, I put away and I just started walking. And I, I had mentioned on the channel before, I started walking after dinner with my daughter every night, which has been a total blessing because she's going to college in a couple months. So like the last year of, mm -hmm. of her living in our house, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to have like 300 walks with her. It was like amazing. But during the day I would walk because I wasn't at work. And I started uh, foraging and looking and learning about mushrooms. Mm, that's and great, in yeah. this process, I was also dipping my toe in a little bit of um, like psychedelic stuff, like microdosing, really for my for trying to get some mental health benefits. Yes, and it was really helpful for me emotionally and mentally. Um, it was able to help me like frame some things in a more positive light. It was very interesting. And I was like, I wonder what kind of mushrooms grow around here that are psychedelic. Like, can I find these? And yes, so I can. started looking like what grows in Maryland. And there's like this certain strain that grows in Maryland. So I started hunting for it and I couldn't find any of them. And mm -hmm. I, and I went on a walk almost every day looking for them. And I talked to a, a shaman. Uh, I actually, I interviewed a shaman on the, um, on the podcast and he, and he said, you know, like you'll, they find you. Yes. Like you, yes. like if you're looking hard for them, you know, unless you're really ready, they're, you're not going to find them. So, and that was interesting. But then like, as I started looking, I was getting better at finding as if like my eyes would be drawn. Now, not those particular mushrooms, but I was getting better at seeing mushrooms. So like now I could go for a walk with other people and I see like, I see so many of them more than they do. Mm-hmm. But this is the interesting thing that comes back to the question I just posed about, like, is there some kind of awakening? So last year, I was on these Facebook pages of groups that hunt for these things. And they, like, show what county they're finding them and such. And there was, like, a general consensus of, like, and it was an average year of what people were finding. And then this year, this year where everybody's gone through all this mayhem and shit, and for many people still are. Yep. Um, I'm still not finding any, but I'm not devoting as much time to them. Like, I know I can't find them. I have to drive somewhere first. And most of my walks, I just walk from my house. But the consensus online is that they're like, there's like an explosion. Like, they're getting so many. And I, I wonder, like, is this the earth? Is the earth providing more of these because people are ready? Yeah. That that's your like your intuitive sense is, is right now the logic is like that's stupid uh, the mushrooms aren't real you know they don't they don't talk to you the earth doesn't talk that's the programming from kindergarten you right. know where your imagination was beaten out of you by your, your right, school right. teacher you need to think this <laughs> yes and that is the biggest crime to humanity ever to tell somebody how to think to tell somebody how to perceive reality because you're limiting an infinite expression of the, the one creator. So you should never do that. Or I don't like to do that. See, even me telling you, you should never do that. You know, that's not a good idea. And I think you told me that last time we talked, you said something about that. And I reflected on that 
uh, five years ago, you said you should not tell people. <laughs> it's funny I'm saying this. You you basically hinted to me. You said it's not a good idea to say you should try this or that because that basically is like you imposing your will upon someone. That's religion. Like, it's right. So you said that to me, and I, I said it again. It stuck but, with you. And it stuck with me, and I realized, oh wow. Like yes, my intentions were good because I was trying to help my sister. She was going through stress. I was like, why don't you try meditation? But the, oh, that's why I came up. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. But the way that I was doing it wasn't working, and and that's the same thing with the the psychedelics. You can't push it on somebody. You can't tell them. Most people are not ready. Right. A lot of people are not ready. Uh, they're they're definitely not ready for some of the experiences that are awaiting them on the other side. But you seem to be ready. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, microdose. The, I don't know how ready I am. I had a bad experience as a teenager. I did psychedelics a, a few, a bunch of times, but one time was really bad. And then I like, uh, I've been kind of scared of kind of really diving in since yeah. then. But um, so I'm, I'm, but I do find them helpful in really tiny doses for me. That's where I'm at now, and I think that's probably why I'm not finding them out there. Because the ones that grow around here are apparently pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm just not ready for that and I'm okay with that. I just find it interesting that collectively it seems like there's more this year at a time where maybe that's what the world needs. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what's and happening. If that's the case, then that's, it's at least interesting to think about. And, you know, it makes you wonder what is kind of around the corner for... Humanity, because sometimes, like, when you look at what's happened over these last, you know, whatever, months, years, sometimes I feel like humans don't deserve this planet. No, like, they don't. Like, <laughs> now you're thinking, like, the forest spirits. Like, like if we need a do-over. Like, uh, next species come, it's your turn. Like, we, we botched this one. The way we treat each other, the way we treat the planet itself. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And when you have kids, it's, it's like, discouraging. And you, there's, like, a helpless feeling, like... Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't help. Like you can't fix it, and like, you know, how a kid, how are the younger generations gonna clean up this mess that people have left for them. Well, that's why we have to be different. That's why we have to do our best. Like you know, myself and and you and your your kids, you have to do your best. Every single one of us has to do our best to shine consciousness as much as possible. Through consciousness, they will understand. This is not a religion that we're teaching. This is you finding your own God within yourself. Mm. And once you understand this, you understand the sacredness of everything. And going back to what you said about the plants finding you, you know, those plants that I mentioned to you, I'm not going to say them on camera, but uh, those ones that uh, I shared with you, they found me. I did not purchase them. They came to me through an acquaintance that I knew who delivered them to me. And I was feeling the call of these plants, these particular plants for a long time. I was like, I got to go out of the country to do this. This is not even, you can't even find this in the U.S. They came to me. Mm. (laughs) They came to me at a time when I needed them. And I was like, we have a message. They were like, we have a message for you. When you take us, you'll understand. I was like, I got the message. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about, by the way. Well, that's that's an Alan Watts (laughs) reference, you know? he's like, when you get the message, hang up the phone. Oh, interesting. So the, I think I've heard him say that. Yeah. There's a channel that has a lot of his little, like, uh, his work in little pieces, like five to ten minute clips. With music? 
Um, some of them have music, and I'll binge on it here and there. Yeah. The, but the combination of what he has to say and his accent. Yes, the accent always gets people. Resonates <laughs> with me, yeah. I love it. I find it and very soothing, and like, it's kind of mind-bending, and sometimes like I can't follow, I can't get it, it's a little over my head, but um, he's got an eloquent way of of getting his ideas out. He's, and, a, he's uh, a wordsmith, for he, sure. Yeah, definitely. The world is, you know, grateful that he exists. Yeah. He's out there. Um, it's interesting you mentioned about, like, you can't tell people to think. So, another thing that is... Um, come up recently my my son you know when they were trying to reopen schools in in this county which um you know this county is like Taldut is this great school system yes you it know, is well, like we are very privileged very spoiled to grow up in this it's like the number two richest county in the in the world in the, in the country so yeah so uh you know i i'm grateful that i got to go to school as a kid in this even though it came at a price because, you know, when I went to college, I learned that I grew up in a bubble and the world's not like this. But Yes, um, yes, agreed. So that was kind of, like, I remember going to college and thinking, like, there was no racism anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't exist. And then I got to college, I was like, wait, what? I thought this, we kicked this a long time ago. And that was a function of the area that we grew up in and the way that they shaped the village, like, they shaped the town so that kids could grow up. And together. not know that racism is a thing. It was very, you know, fortunate. Um, but it was kind of a, a lie. Not a lie. It was just, it wasn't true for everywhere. So, um, but in this recent, like, shutdown of the schools, and then the reopening, this county, like, really shit the bed with the reopening. Like, they, mm. and I know it was hard to do, and they probably had voices from all different sides giving opinions and, there was no way they could do it where you weren't going to piss off a lot of people, no matter yeah. how you did it. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't, I don't envy their position by any means. The interesting thing was, when they dropped the ball, my son decided to not go back when they reopened it because they reopened it in such a ridiculous way. So he homeschooled for uh, it was probably around three quarters of the year, mm-hmm. something like that, maybe a little bit more, and. Um, you know, he had to think of his own curriculum. Very good. And because they've been teaching him what to think all this time, instead of how to think all this time. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> he didn't know how to think. And I was, as an observer, I was like, this is really interesting. <laughs> and it made me think, like, I, already, I had already lost faith in the, edu- in the public education system. Yeah. But, like, this was the dagger for me. I was like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Here he is. I'm glad we're finding this out now. Then when he was 18, he was like, really struggled with thinking of an idea of a way to learn. So not only was his relationship learning with learning not really optimal, it's not like he looked forward to go to school to learn, he looked yeah. forward to go to school to be with people, right? with friends. So they didn't cult- help him cultivate a healthy relationship with learning, and they didn't really teach him how to think on his own so he can create his own learning experiences. And it was a real struggle for him to, like, create things to do to learn from yeah and i had to help him give ideas and you know eventually he got better at it he got on a roll with it and he did a really good job and i'm fucking like over the moon proud of (coughs) how he did it but um it was interesting and it made me think about the school system like how you know it's not as valuable as it used to be 
with the flow of information now. Like, look at you. You're this young guy, and you have all this very interesting information that most kids don't have, and younger generations are going to need people that are still young to, like, learn these ideas from. But, like, a long time ago, if you wanted to learn things, you, you really had to be where the books were. Mm-hmm. And the books were at the schools and the colleges and so forth. But now, um, first of all, we don't even know what's in the books is 100% accurate. Because we've learned a little bit about bias and propaganda and like we've all kind of witnessed agendas being deployed yeah. onto people. And like now with the flow of information with internet, you can pretty much learn anything. anything you want to wherever you are if it's something that you want to do. And you can take it upon yourself and you could um, you know, learn how you want to think for yourself. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't have that skill very sharp. And that's yeah. That's that's through the I think the that's the whole creative process. That's the I'm a creator being I'm energy where you're like okay, nobody else see humans are are actually so lazy in the fact they have gotten used to people telling them how to think. Now, Seeing this from an outside perspective, if somebody tells me what to do, I really don't like it. Like, (laughs) somebody says you have to be here at this time, I'm like, nah, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, that's why I work for myself. And so, the way that I came about this with the whole, you know, with my whole business in college and everything, I'm looking at this, all the majors, and I'm like, I don't like this major. I don't like any of these majors. I don't like any of these fields because all of them are, you know, they're assuming all these things in the way that they're teaching the information. So I was like, I got to do something where I think completely for myself. So what do I know? Well, I know all this spiritual stuff, but I don't think I can explain it. So I had to learn the skills, how to make videos, how to record videos, how to edit videos, how to make websites, how to make free, you know, uh, landing pages that people click on. They get a free guided meditation or free ebook or I don't know if you guys do that. I'm sure you guys do, right? We do some stuff that I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I did check out your website. I think you need a little more work on it. Well, we've, we actually have updated our website and oh. we have, I have two websites. Okay. So you were looking at, uh, at it when I had not done the updates and okay. now I have a school. I built an entire school oh, look at of you. mysticism. Oh, I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. Right. So that's actually, it's launching in uh, about a week and a half. Oh, and cool. so we have people waiting at the door, ready to just break the door down. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know? Good for you, man. Uh, yeah. So so I was like, all right, I, I'm an extremely creative person. I got to think of a way to, to bring this all together full circle, but also learn all the skills. And let me tell you, not one of those skills did I learn in school, maybe besides how to speak. And how to how to write like you know English. Other than that, I didn't learn how to do my taxes. You know, this doing this tax year that was a lot of stress for me because I had no idea how to do it, and I had to fill out all these forms and go with my uh, you know tax accountant, and um, I had to learn how to coach people, how to do life coaching. I had to learn how to even talk to people on the phone, how to sell my products, how to. <laughs> how to edit the videos, as I said, how to post on social media. You're doing to... this all yourself? Yes. And now I have, I have somebody, I have two people that I'm working with and that are, they're basically my team. But for the first year, I had to learn this all myself. And so I learned more in that year than I ever did at school. Hmm. But it also grew so much uh, information, which I didn't even think was possible. <laughs> you know? And I'm sure right now I can laugh at myself and look at myself as an amateur in 20 years. You know, 
and be like, oh, wow, that was pathetic. <laughs> I can't believe I got to hide private those videos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good to be a critic yourself. I mean, you're always oh, yeah, going to back yourself. I mean, I, uh, people, most people say nice things about what I put online. I seem, every time I look at the things I post, I, I know it grosses me yes, out. Yes, I feel you. I, I hate it. Like, yeah. I feel like, why do you say those things? This is the dumbest thing. And We um, do it for them. We don't do it for ourselves. I don't know what I'm doing it for. I'm just still learning. You're, doing, I think you're doing it for, for, for others because... I'm trying to help others for yes, sure. Yes, that's right? the whole the I whole. I am purpose. passionate about helping others improve their life. Yes, you know? I, I think that, that's what it's all about. That's the higher aspect of consciousness that we all carry. I'm trying to raise my frequency. Raise your frequency, exactly. <laughs> so that frequency idea, that's a constant oscillation though. Like it's never, uh, you know... Like a steady state no. thing. No, 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 not really. It's kind of like, are you ever steady on your gas pedal when you're driving a car? Maybe unless you have it on auto lock mm. or auto drive. No, it's always fluctuating a little bit. Now, you're going to have a baseline frequency, which uh, as you have these mystical experiences and as you go into more depth in your consciousness, you definitely have a, a raised frequency. And everybody can feel that off of you. They can, they can see it when you talk. They can see it when you communicate, whatever. Even the way your posture is, the way you, your body is, your health, everything. It's all connected to your frequency. It's all connected to your energy. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, I love the talk of energy. I'd like to take a deeper dive into that stuff. I think maybe we'll save that for part two sometime. Definitely, yeah. I have some like devices that are energy devices that I play with. I guess they're called like, I don't know, biohacking technologies That's, or whatever. I love but, that stuff. And uh, I'm into this. So maybe uh, we'll do a session about that and how it interacts with our biology. Yes, that um, is, that's cool stuff. Radionics. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the word radionics, right? I think I've heard of it, but I couldn't yeah. describe it. So that's the whole thing with the frequency. Now they've made the technology available to measure these instruments. So you give me one of those uh, EMF meters. Oh, I have one of those. I'll put my hand near it. We'll see if that thing starts cranking up. Oh, no kidding. Well, maybe yeah. we'll do that on the next one. <laughs> we'll do it in live and see yeah. See if you could move your water bottle and see if you change the frequency. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of energy changes that can be registered off of uh, the technology and you know obviously it's not good when you're recording because then the recording will just phenomenally de delete and you're like well I proved it but it got deleted in the oh, process and that nobody <laughs> no that's the way that the mind actually works okay. the universal mind works it'll be like oh you're trying to show off that's ego let me delete the footage for you real quick oh, interesting. so it's like a big brother almost interesting you know okay. But I, I actually, believe, but I have the measurement tool. So we'll I actually have uh, almost uh, like a hundred videos on my YouTube channel of me airbending. So uh, there's plenty of proof for uh, for people that are skeptical of airbending, of airbending, of aerokinesis, of okay. of telekinetically moving things with my mind and my energy. Where it's like there's no way it's possible with a fan. You can't do this with cheating. Like none of that. So I can send you some of those. Um, you can check them out or, you know, you guys can check so them out. So where, speaking of which, as we wrap this up, tell people where do they check you out? Yeah, yeah. So you can check me out on The Matrix Unveiled on YouTube. That's the channel. I'm sure you guys will have it in the link. And The Matrix Unveiled on Instagram, on Facebook. And thematrixunveiled.com is our main website. And The School of Mysticism, which is launching on June 24th, is thematrixunveiled.mn.co. So if you just go to my YouTube channel... You'll see all of the links and everything that you need to connect with me 
and dive deeper into the information and we we go pretty pretty hardcore with uh some of the stuff that we talk about cool well Danush, um i'm grateful that you came in and did an yeah, in-person awesome. podcast man i think there's a bright light in you and Thank i you, like brother. watching you shine it Thank and it's you. uh it's great. You should be proud of yourself. And Thank for you. the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. I hope you made it through this one. Yeah. <laughs> Air bending is mind bending. Mind bending. Um, there you go. Uh, for the listeners out there, always grateful for your listening. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. It was great to reconnect with Tanuj after several years. And boy, he's really grown up since I've seen him last. This was exciting. It was an opportunity to just chat with a young, passionate man that really thinks, I would say, outside of the box. And I think that's really important. There's a lot to this world that we seem to understand. It's very easy to comprehend with our senses, but I think there's a lot more that we don't really understand. And there's a lot more that we don't take in from our senses so easily. And I think it's an intriguing exploration to try to discover what else is there. And that part of that is having conversation with people about these topics. Even though it might feel kind of weird, like your footing isn't really strong and you're not really grounded in your ideas, they're just ideas. And um, I'm, <laughs> I think it's fun. I really do. It's a form of like play with language. Also, I do think there is something to learn. And I know in my own practice, of meditation, I've, dealt, I've, I've delved into some areas that have made it very clear to me that there are other states of consciousness than what we seem to think is uh, what, you know, the regular, the everyday experience that we're all so familiar with. So not only do I like to practice, it's, it's fun to be able to talk about this, these things, even though I'm not really sure what's true. Um, but, you know, even though we have beliefs of what's true, I don't want to get attached to those beliefs. I want to keep an open mind, and it's fun to learn new things and to hear other people's uh, experiences with that. And it was really fun to do that today with Tanuj. So I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. And if you have any questions about some of the things that we talked about today, just put them in the comments, and I'll do my best to respond. Have a great day.